Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the unofficial, yet somewhat official, podcast of the Memphis Express. The unofficial podcast of the Memphis Express, bringing you news, stories, videos, and so much more. This is Expressing Goal. What is going on, flight crew? This is your captain speaking. My name is Daniel. We've got an amazing episode for you today. We have the first week of the AAF in the books. We're going to cover all that, all the games this week, at least as much as we can. And a very hot take from my point of view that's going to be a bit spicy on this show. As always, I'm joined by Michelle. Michelle, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I've got a lot of opinions about how this week went. It's going to be... <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode, I think. Fun? We've got different definitions of fun. Oh, I'm enjoying myself. I mean... <laughs> you stay over there and be salty. I'm going to have a good time. I- I'm having a good time. I'm just worried. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about. First things first. I think we've got a lot of new people to the podcast. So I want to bring you in. Oh, Dan's got something he wants to say. Yeah, I was going to say that our downloads have skyrocketed over the past couple of days. Thank you. Obviously, that's due to the kickoff of the league and a lot of new people that are just finding out about the AAF. Yeah, and- uh, the ratings for the first night of the AAF outdid the NBA. I mean, yep. can we just stop for a moment? What was it? Almost two point. It was just shy of three million. It was like two point nine something million viewers on TV. That's nuts insane we've been talking about this for months but for those of you who are new the aaf is the alliance of american football it is a new league of football that's similar to nfl style some of the rules are different um instead of teams being owned individually they're all owned by the league so while there's a lot of fun kind of sibling rivalry going on we do want to make sure that the entire league and every every team is successful so we're we're super rooting for the express here but we are also just wanting the whole league to do well. And there's a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation out there. The Alliance is not in any way, shape, or form out to compete with the NFL. It is a complementary league intended to really improve the level of football in the NFL, as well as offer another way for guys to fulfill their dreams of playing football professionally. If you think about it, you know, just in your everyday job, there are, if you're an accountant, there are tons of places you can go to work. If you're a football player, if you're not the 1%, the top 1%, you're, you're, you are you're you don't have any options except if you play like arena football or CFL. Yeah. Or just recreational leagues. So the AAF and soon to be XFL are these really amazing opportunities for guys to continue their football career. Right. So again, this is not competition. This is in step with the NFL. There's a lot of things that the AAF has done to ensure that that happens that way. One of the ways is like, they're not going to draft until the NFL draft is done. Anyway, there's a lot of things that we've talked about. So if you are new, I highly recommend going back and starting from the beginning. There's a lot of information there. You're going to hear us talk about, I mean, our podcast was even around before the teams were named. So you're going to hear us come to terms with the names of the teams. I had some really spicy thoughts there. You'll also hear a lot of language, just so you know, we ha- this is a new thing. We're recently becoming way more family friendly. So be prepared for some explicit language in those early episodes. But uh, let's get into today. Before we get into today, if you are new and you have questions, feel free to reach out on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Memphis AAF, Instagram Memphis AAF pod or Facebook uh, Express and Goal and spelled out. 
So send us your questions, whatever you have, or you can always call us. We have a hotline set up, and sometimes we play people's questions. That number is 901-352-0177. So let's not delay. There's tons of information. Check out the website, and we'll be plugging more of our stuff throughout the show. This is going to be really heavy, really long. Let's jump right into it. All right, what we got first, Dan? Let's just talk about the overall production and the non-football aspect of the, the the launch. Okay, let's do it. We, on Saturday night, was the first two kickoff games of the AAF. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not kickoff. There are no kickoffs. Oh. The flip-off. Right. <laughs> or first snap, if you want to use the official quote-unquote language from the AAF. So we got our first snaps from the AAF on Saturday night. We watched the Fleet and Commanders game. That is right. The first thing that we noticed was the overall lack of production. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. The engineers wanted to make sure they got everything right. From the football aspect, they wanted to make sure they got everything right. But it seemed like there were some missing pieces. But I want to be really fair here. This is a startup. We've got to expect there's going to be some mistakes, some missteps, some errors. I'll bet there's going to be course corrections. And my thought on this is we should expect that they're not going to get everything right and just give them some room. Again, like we want this to last. We want there to be longevity. And if we just jump on everything that they do wrong with negativity, pessimism, it's not going to be good. So that's kind of my first thought. Yeah. So overall, I feel like what they put out was way beyond anything that we could have expected. Yeah. I think that this was a point that Dan made when we did our live stream on our drive down to Birmingham on Sunday was that there was a professionalism and the time spent on branding really made it like made it look good. Yeah, and everything just from the uniforms, from the stadium, from the field looked legit and not at all gimmicky or like semi-professional. Like it felt like you were watching an NFL game, really. Yeah, it really did. I mean, I've never watched arena football, I don't think, but I think I've seen like highlights and stuff. And because it looks so gimmicky, it's hard to take seriously. I didn't get that feel from this at all. And another thing that this is slightly off topic, um, but the crowd. There was a big crowd and they were so intense. They understood what was happening. Uh, and it was just so cool to watch. Yeah, they're enthusiastic. They were rowdy. They were just having a good time. And for we are in a bit of a bubble. So like everything that I encounter on social media or anything is in the world of AAF. And you kind of forget that there's so many people that have never heard of the league. So to see that they were able to get such a crowd, 27,000 people, 27,000 people were in the Alamo Dome. That's crazy. Yeah, to have that kind of crowd for a league on the very first night is insane. And even the Atlanta and Orlando game that was going on at the same time, what was it, like 20,000? Yeah, I think that was it. It was around 20,000 people. And it was a rainy day. Yeah. I mean, I heard it was like pouring down rain. So for there to be that weather conditions and for 20,000 people to show up and be there and be enthusiastic, I think it just speaks volumes about the excitement. Yeah, a huge, huge success. But when it comes to the production value and what was missing, when we watched the broadcast on TV, or when we watched the broadcast at the beginning of the game, there were like, I don't know, like one or two packages of pre-roll. They were played kind of over and over and over again. There were times in which we were hearing audio but not seeing those packages. There were times in which we were just seeing a random camera. So... That's the production aspect that we're talking about. You need more packages. And I do think that, well, my original thought was that because this is the first week of the AAF, 
there's nothing to really talk about because we don't know what to expect. But I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. No, and even thinking like now that you mention it, they still have all the the game film from the preseason games. They use some of it for like the ad for the app. They definitely could have repurposed that to have packages and highlights to show during the downtimes of the game. And I feel like that kind of fell short. And what they would do is like they'd play the package without the audio or they have just like the basic audio without the music, without the announcements. And they just kind of play that like two or three times. And then they would play it with the full production music and everything. So that felt weird. And it's definitely not a huge deal, really, because it's something that could easily be fixed. And I'm hoping that, like you said, now that we have a full week of gameplay, they'll be able to put together some really nice packages for that production. Absolutely. So here's hoping that this week is better. But this is not one of the things that's going to make it or break it for me. Absolutely not. And then the other thing that was kind of like the big deal is that they promoted Kurt Warner as like the halftime show and his analysis. And that never happened. Yeah. So right before the halftime in the game, they showed us Kurt Warner standing at a desk with a microphone and like looking at his phone. And he was standing next to another announcer. But then they never like cut to him in his analysis, at least not on the broadcast, maybe on the app they did. I, I don't I didn't hear anything about it, but I don't know. Yeah. And the app was another disappointment. So essentially, there's like a built in game to the app, which is essentially gambling for free. It's kind of what you can do with like the MGM betting system. If like you can predict what they do next. So essentially, you can choose like, is it going to be run or pass? Where on the field it's going to go? Is it going to be first on touchdown? You score points throughout. And the stream was like on a six second delay, which is frustrating. But when you think about the fact that there's so many mics on the field, yeah, it's necessary. But when you're trying to play the game, it really is frustrating because you know what's going to happen before you see it. So a little bit of downside there and the fact that like the app wasn't keeping up. So work to be done. But the fact that just what you can do with the app and watching the graphical display of the game in the app is really cool. I think the biggest letdown of all and what really could make or break this league if they don't correct it are the ref's uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) Those are some ugly uniforms. Yeah, it was this weird like it looks like a black shirt and like it was a striped midriff. Yeah, weird. It's a weird look, and I really don't like it. Yeah, not a fan. It's one of those things that somebody came up with, and there was nobody around them to be like, (laughs) are you sure about this, dude? This is the same person. We got crap graphics at the beginning. Remember, like, oh, when we were talking about team names, we were like, Mm -hmm. the people left for the day, and it was left to the interns, and this is what they came up with. The same intern that came up with these names came up with those uniforms. The same person that designed the the Irons logo and helmet designed (laughs) the uniforms. Oh, that's so true. Obviously, you're being facetious. Not going to break the league, but definitely, come on, guys, get a fix. The one thing that no bit zone that I was extremely frustrated about is the fact that so we were at the Memphis Birmingham game, so we had no issues. But if you were anticipating being able to stream the game like the AAF had been streaming all the other games and they said was a possibility, you weren't able to stream the Memphis Birmingham game. Yeah, that's super frustrating because the app was supposed to be your hub for everything. And the fact that you couldn't access it on the hub, or like, not the hub, (laughs) but the (laughs) fact that you couldn't access it on the app, which is supposed to be your go-to spot, is super frustrating. Yeah, and the fact that they didn't... Anyway, so what it is is that they the deal with CBS Sports is that... So CBS Sports is the only way you can watch the games that they broadcast. So no streaming is an option. 
Not great, but whatever. What was really frustrating is that they didn't make that announcement until minutes before the game started. I mean, yeah, seriously, right before the game started. Yeah. So the fact that they had to have known that this was in place when they signed the contracts a year ago, but they didn't mention anything until minutes before the game started. So if you're expecting to sit at home and watch the game, you were SOL. And if they announced it the day before, even you could have made plans to go to Buffalo Wild Wings or to a watch party to watch the game. But when you find out as the game's starting, now you're going to miss the first quarter as you try to get somewhere. Yeah, Come that, on. yeah, that that was messed up. So next, we really want to get into the good things that we saw and the really awesome aspects of the game. But before that, we do want to let you know that we were on full press AAF this past week. We did a live broadcast. Um, we were interviewed by the boys at the yard over at the Shipyard Podcast. There's your one, guys. <laughs> so if you want to hear us on another show, be sure to check out the latest episode of the Shipyard. And something else exciting we're going to be on. We've got an interview tomorrow and it's live. Yes. So we will be on another podcast, which is called The Big Play Podcast. And you can find that in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> I'll put a link there if I get this episode out in time. So we're recording this on Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, we're going to be doing a live interview with Big Play Radio. Big Play Podcast. All right. So if this comes out on Wednesday, look out for that Wednesday night. If there's a replay, we'll put all the information in the show notes so you can go back and watch it. Yeah. And just you can find all that memphisaaf.com slash two eight. And we're just going to be essentially answering questions about the AAF and going into this week's game. A lot of fun. Exciting. All right. So as this is the kickoff week, I feel like we're just kind of all over the place. But there was more stuff that we saw that we're excited to talk about. Yeah. So the one thing I really liked that. OK, so it's a bittersweet thing because it might be a little too much. But the fact that like everything is mic'd up and you can hear everything going on. A lot of the times. Yeah, I didn't like this better than I did. Yeah. I did like... So something that was interesting to me was we were watching the fleet game and it was interesting when the head coach said, get Nelson ready, the backup for that for the quarterback, Berkovici. Is that his name? Berkovici. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hearing the head coach being like, get him ready, like Berkovici's done, was like, whoa, damn. And that was insight that you never get in the NFL. But there were a lot of other things like I didn't care to hear like Woodside, the quarterback of the commanders was like, I can't hear. I don't care. They're talking about plays. I, I kind of don't care. I mean, this is kind of the nerdier side of football that Dan's interested in. So maybe that's why you liked it better, Dan. I can see that. What, what I really liked was the conversation between the sky judge and the officials as they reviewed a play and a penalty or whatever. Yeah. So the sky judge thing, totally different from the NFL. We have never gotten any sort of transparency like this before. This was exciting to see on the calls that were reversed or confirmed that should have been that way. But it sucked watching it happen for our team. Yeah. So in case you didn't get a chance to watch the Express game versus the Iron on Sunday, there was a an incomplete pass that was called a completion. The The image was blurry, but you could definitely tell that the ball hit the ground. Yeah. I mean, everyone at, in that stadium could tell that that was incomplete and it should have been overturned. But the sky judge was just like, I can't go to good angle. We are all seeing the same thing. How are you not seeing what we all see? Like, that was really frustrating. The officials on the ground are like, it'll all look like incomplete pass to me. But if you said it's not, and the announcer was like, well, that's coming back. And everybody could see it's incomplete pass. But- and not, not only that, but uh, but the referee was like, oh, so they're on the 10? Or how did it go? Essentially, like, not only did the iron get the call confirmed, the, like the original call in the field, then they got an extra yard because this guy judge wasn't like, no, 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 they're on the 10. 
The ref was just like, nine, right? And he's like, uh, I mean, it was, uh, sure. Yeah. Maybe it's just the first week, and, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of this guy, so hopefully he's not the sky judge for other Memphis games. We'll see. Yeah. And then overall, the quality gameplay was incredible. Obviously, there's a lot that needs to be worked on, but it felt like really good football. Yeah. To your point that there's a lot to be worked on, a lot of Memphis fans were mad. There was a lot of feedback on Twitter with when the kicker didn't make the, what, 48, 46-yard field goal? That's really hard. That's a really difficult distance for pros in the NFL. I mean, people's records are high 40s, low 50s. And the fact that, like, we're not, we don't have NFL-rate kickers. Otherwise, they'd be in the NFL. So I think it's unrealistic to be mad at this kicker for missing that field goal. Yeah, and especially because I was... It's hard to justify missing because 46 yards isn't a give me, but it's also not like it's not extremely difficult. So it's definitely a kick he should have made, especially just how far left it went. Yeah, I mean, it was really off. Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully they work through it and get it figured out. Oh, there's a lot. I hope they work through. There's a lot to work through. We'll get that. But we'll get to all that. When we review the Memphis game. All right. So shall we go over all the other games? I think just a quick review. So like we said, Dan and I watched the fleet and commanders game. The commanders dominated. I think that the fleet really like their O-line was just not showing up that night. How many Berkovici got rocked early and often. Yeah. I mean, he was sacked like five times and then Nelson was even sacked, I think. And then, Woodside, the quarterback of the I mean, it was just like, that was the... Okay, there were a lot... Obviously, there's a lot of takeaways from this weekend. Big hits, big plays. That was another thing that we saw this weekend, too. There were a lot of long passes and completions and explosive things that normally you might not see in the NFL. The NFL, it seems like, maybe is more pounding ground. Just kind of... I don't know. It just seemed like there was more explosiveness to these games that we saw i think it's just more than we would have expected i mean the nfl is big plays big passing can't really getting away from the ground and pound but i think just we weren't I, at least for me i wasn't expecting those big passing plays during the first week of the aaf it felt like there were a lot yeah they were really exciting games to watch because of it absolutely the commanders beat the fleet in a really close game it was 15 to 6 at the same time, the Apollos and Legends were playing. Holy shit. We didn't watch the game. I haven't had a chance to actually go back and take it in. I'm kind of scared, too, honestly. Like, I don't know if I want to watch the the Apollos. So looking at the numbers, looking at Pro Football Focus, my assumption and just kind of my gut feeling, at least maybe it's just my hope, my dreams, <laughs> that... The Legends, being what they are, are making the Apollos look a lot better than reality. Yeah, so there's many different ways this could go. This could be the Legends suck, the Apollos are dominant, a kind of a combination weird thing in between. I think it's really difficult for the Legends to have their stuff together when they lost their head coach and their offensive coordinators like not there. Yeah, Michael Vick either was forced to step away or for, for whatever whatever the reason behind it, he's no longer the offensive coordinator and he's just a consultant which is kind of a weird thing. So you figure their coaching staff is in shambles. So the fact that they even took the field, I feel like is an accomplishment. Something interesting here is that the teams that didn't do well this weekend are the ones that kind of don't have offensive coordinators. Yeah, because we don't have like a dedicated offensive coordinator. Our quarterback's coach is taking that role. 
and the fleet they don't have an offensive coordinator hey, i heard something about there's uh there's some something going on there maybe it's the boys at the yard or maybe the boys in the yard are going to step up take that role on hey oh van awesome <laughs> oh, offensive coordinator smithy can be his past quality control coach perfect <laughs> <laughs> and the legends obviously michael vicks at the way so all right so the legends and apollos the other thing about this game is that Waddell, the president of the Orlando Apollos, likes to run his mouth. So if he's going to run his mouth and have a team to back it up, that's just going to make it that much harder to friggin' play them. Yeah. So the Apollos beat the Legends 40 to 6. And uh, the biggest differential between any teams in the AAF. And I think it makes the Apollos look better than they are because I think that the Legends are a struggling team trying to get their coaching staff in order. And the Apollos just kind of ran all over them. Going into Sunday, the Memphis Express went to Birmingham to face the Iron. We're going to break that down here in a little bit, but it was not pretty. Oh, boy. And then, like I said, I haven't been able to watch these games, but the Hot Shots and the Stallions seemed like one of the better games. They seemed pretty closely matched for the most part, but the Hot Shots came out with the win 38-22. to Which is close to the predicted score you thought that the Express would have against the yeah. Iron, so... You got close-ish, just wrong game. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 what it was. <laughs> so that's uh that was this week in the AAF. Before we get into the meat of this episode, the rundown of the Express versus Iron, we definitely want to make sure we don't miss out a shout out to our producers this week. So our executive producer this week is Rodrigo Villa Gomez. He is the host of the Alliance Football Podcast, the show we were on a couple weeks back. You can find that at alliancefbpod.lipson.com. All the info in the show notes below. Absolutely. Our producers this week are Brian Winsloff, Van Awesome, Andrew Martin, Dakota Muller, Jeffrey Cox, K.O. Farley, Matt Sheckles, and Zachary Garten. Oh my God, you guys, you are growing and I'm loving it. If you want more information on how to be a producer, please go to memphisaaf.com forward slash Patreon. We've got free gear free stickers what else we got oh the layover the layover bonus content holy crap you guys all right last week we talked about there were people in the office at the express we went up there that we talked to but we couldn't tell you about we can finally announce who we talked to this will be on the layover dan who do we talk to we had a nice little interview with none other than matt singletary our defensive line coach and just real quick to vindicate everything we had some questions about his credentials. Yeah, but if you look at how the D-line performed this weekend, my questions are answered. Yeah, he's. we have a legit D-line and huge success and mad props to Matt Singletary. He gave us a ton of time. It was fun to talk to him. But the big news, the big one that we got this week, total surprise, present, nope, GM Will Lewis. We uh, had a lot of technical issues. So <laughs> anyway, long story short, we got to sit in and help produce the interview between Dylan Rubino, who is the Express team reporter, and GM, GM Will Lewis. And it was for a radio show in Birmingham. And it was just really fun to kind of listen into just some of the insights from what's going on with the team from Lewis's perspective. It was really fun at one point because we were having some technical difficulties, like Dan was saying. So I just got a chance to sit in a random office with Will Lewis. And just kind of chit chat with him. We talked. I talked to him about quarterback nicknames, um, how he's liking Memphis, where his daughter lives. I mean, we just it was like he was so down to earth, and it was just cool. Like I was just talking to anyone else. So 
to hear more from Will Lewis and Matt Singletary, head on over. You'll find the layover. Again, this is MemphisAAF.com forward slash Patreon. And not only that, I've been talking about it for a while, but unless something major happens, shirts are coming. I don't know about that. You've been talking about it for a long time. I put the order in and the printer in Nashville that's going to be printing these shirts is going to be at the game this Saturday. So we're going to meet up and he's going to give me the shirts at the game. I'm still calling BS. <laughs> so unless something happens, like I'm, I'm giving a caveat. If something happens, obviously that's not going to work out. But all things go. If, ever, if all things go well, I'll have the shirts this weekend. And if you're at the game, come find me after the game and I can get you your shirt if I owe you one. Awesome. Sounds good. And I'm going to we're working on the stickers now. So hopefully I can get all those and maybe just kind of hand a bunch of stickers out while we've met the game. Okay. Michelle is doubtful. I don't blame her, <laughs> but that's where we're at right now. All right, let's put a bow on this. Move on to the meat of the episode. We drove down to Birmingham, Alabama. It was three and a half hours away. Not too bad. Watch the game. Now, personally, this was a fun experience for us because we got media passes and got to go up to the press box. And that was a whole like experience in and of itself. Yeah, and we got to meet the host of the Iron Legion podcast as well because they also got media credentials. Yeah, so shout out to those guys. It was great to meet you. Watch the game with you. Have a little fun little trash talk back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I think the hardest thing was it was like a working room. <laughs> so not being able to cheer was... Dan sucked at that. <laughs> there was one time when he was like, yes, oh, crap. <laughs> it was like early on and I think it was uh, Chaining Stribling had a nice pass defense. And I couldn't control myself, but it was a lot easier later on in the game whenever we weren't doing anything and I was depressed. <laughs> so anyway, that that was fun for us. I just told Dan, like, I can't wait to be in the hub watching these games in person at our home stadium. So that's going to be more fun. Yeah. And for us, I think we have to go with the Iron as our rivals. Oh, my God. Do we ever. All right. We walked into this week. Well, we flew into this week not knowing who our rivals were going to be. There's a rivalry between the fleet and the commanders. Fine. I don't I, Sure. When before the game started, you know, the teams come out throughout the through the tunnel. Uh, when three players from the Express just ran across the field to go over to the sideline, it was only just like three players. It wasn't even the full thing. The The entire stadium booed them. Yeah. And it, I felt like that was crappy. And not only that, then like the whole team came out. There was even more booing, whatever. But at the end of the game, we were making our way down so we could be a part of the press conference after with Mike Singletary and Christian Hackenberg. But anyway, we were standing. There were some other like express fans in the same area as us. And Birmingham fans just were like, uh, what they call them? It was the Ferry Express. Not even clever. Not, not, yeah. But they were just like being total jerks. That's the calmest way I could put it mm -hmm. is, is jerks. But they were just like really like. I don't know, very unsportsman, like, you won, like, why you gotta be a dick about it? Yeah, the, what it is, like, the stadium, the tunnel, quote-unquote, is just, like, uh, a section that's blocked off by a chain-link fence as the players were leaving the field, just being blown out. They're essentially walking right next to the Birmingham fans as they were leaving the stadium, and obviously, the players are unhappy, and the fans are just being total douches about it. Yeah, it just was, like, really crappy. So. Yeah. I'm picking them to be my my rival. Mm -hmm. But we did actually kind of run into a couple Iron fans. We were leaving town. We grabbed a bite to eat. And there was like a table with some people wearing like Birmingham Iron shirts. And we had like a quick conversation talking about them. Because they just found out about the league. They're excited about it. So they're cool guys. So not everyone that's a fan of the Iron is our rival. But 
I'm gonna pick them. They're close, yeah. and we're in the same division, right? All the Iron fans, except for those three, can suck it. Uh, well, the Iron Legion guys, and those two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into this, I want to preface this by saying all of my responses to the game were just from the game only. Dan, mega football express nerd over here, <laughs> not only watched the game, he live tweeted the full thing. Make sure you're following Dan um, on Twitter and Instagram. He's going to be bouncing back and forth on game days. But anyway, so not only did he watch the game in Birmingham with me, he then went back through last night and essentially rewatched the game to take notes. And he's going to try ever so hard. I still don't think I'm going to, but he's going to try to convince me that Hackenberg deserves a starting position for game two. I know it's a spicy take, but it's a wrong take. It, it's it, not it, wrong. <laughs> I am very heated about this. I know. Okay, so star players on defense, Demarcus Gates. Channy Stribling. And I think Drew Jackson, who was a middle linebacker, is somebody who could be really good. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, but Channing Stribling, great in coverage. Two, the one thing he needs to work on is going deep, defending the receiver. He needs to focus more on the receiver because he's looking back at the quarterback and he loses the receiver and the receiver gets deep on him. And by the time he realizes it, it's too late for him to get in position to make a play. So my takeaway is just overall were that our D-line, happy with it. O-line performed better than I thought. And well, because I was expecting it to be just like Berkovici the night before, just him getting rocked all night long. Hackenberg was fairly untouched. There was a lot of pressure, but he was only sacked twice. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy with that. And then obviously just the the missteps, mistakes on offense. And then just kind of touch on DeMarcus Gates again. Two forced fumbles and 10 solo tackles. 10, like, oh, so a good game, I would say, is like 7-8. Like, that's a really good game. He got 10 tackles by himself. Not assisted, 10 solo tackles and two forced fumbles. Player of the game, hands down. That's insane. Yes. I was surprised by Zach Stacey. I was surprised by Zach Stacey. First off, that he was even playing because I thought he was second string. Yeah, the, they put out the depth chart and they had him at number two behind Terrence McGee, but he started the game. He got most of the carries. I don't know why they did that, but I'm going to say he was a starter. Yeah, and when they when they were able to make things happen, it was usually because of him. Yeah. 12 rushes for 58 yards. Really good game for him. Y'all, Dan is just reading off these stats without looking at paper. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's just giving it to you just because he knows it. Like, this is just how much he loves this. Receiver? Reese Horn? Yeah, definitely. Quiet early in the game, but late in the game has some really key catches. Was he the one with the trick play that was the receiver in the... That was K1 Ross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. K1 Ross, I think, could be really good. This game, it's really hard to have a star player on offense because the offense performs so, so poorly. But there are a few bright spots. K1 Ross, I think, could be good. That trick play... If there was a penalty, I still don't understand the penalty. I need somebody to explain why that was a penalty. I heard when we were in the press box, it was because they said that two people moved. Yes, but I look back and I don't know who was moving because whatever it was happened at the snap and nobody was moving. Ah, So there's something else there. I don't know. Somebody explain it to me. But whatever reason, it was a beautifully executed trick play. And it was something I saw during practice that we weren't allowed to film or talk about. And I've been waiting for that to happen. <laughs> but beautifully executed, except for the penalty, fooled everybody. Hackenberg had like 15 yards of space. Beautiful catch by K1 Ross. Great play. Loved it. Penalty, whatever. If only it stuck. Yeah. 
And then I had to give a shout out to Brandon Barnes. He is a tight end. He was the first catch of the game, his only catch. But in the run game, he was a key blocker. He was the second highest run block grade. All right. Beat everybody in O-line. And then just kind of sticking with the run game, Anthony Monzo Lewis was the highest graded run blocker in the game. All right. He's our fullback. So he had a really good game. And I'm excited to see them, if they can open up the playbook and really kind of get things going, utilizing him in the passing game, because he's definitely a pass catcher. He is built like a center block, short guy, massive dude, I think could be huge. We didn't see very much from uh, Fabian Guerra. He had a quiet game, not his fault. He was targeted four times. He caught the one catch that was actually catchable. Oh, that's the Hackenberg issue. Okay. We'll get to it. We're getting to it. <laughs> but there's one. His accuracy is crap. Not quite. <laughs> All right. Can we? Uh, I'm, okay. Do you want to get into Hackenberg? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Let me tell you my problems. And then you can try to tell me why they're not actual problems. But again, you're still wrong. Can we? What if you give me one issue and I'll counter that with what I think? All right. Sure. Okay. He sucked. He didn't. <laughs> Next. Okay, he didn't perform well, but that's not his fault. Okay, seemed like he wasn't finding open receivers. There were two or three. I think there was like one or two plays where that's accurate. Okay. He overthrew some of the guys that were actually open, or he threw to guys that had really intense coverage. He threw to one guy that had three guys on him. One receiver had three guys on him. And he threw it anyway. That was good coverage on that play. Bad read by Hackenberg. You got that one. Missing open receivers. Yes, definitely there was a couple of there. So he overthrew it. Yeah, there was a perfect pass to Reese Horn. Just way too high. All right. So really my big thing is accuracy issues. Mm -hmm. So there, that is valid. I went through <laughs> and I, I watched every play a couple times where Hackenberg threw the ball. So Hackenberg was 10 for 23 for 87 yards and one interception. Okay. And one interception and that one touchdown pass that was called back for penalty. I counted 27 passing plays. Some of them were called back for penalty and didn't count towards the stat sheet. But there's 27 dropbacks that I'm counting just to evaluate what he was doing. Okay. Out of those 27, I'm giving him eight and a half good plays. Out of 27? Yes. What's okay. the percentage on that? I don't know. But out of the 27, I'm only giving him eight, eight and a half that are actually his fault that he could do better. And most of those came late in the game. That he could have done better? Yes. The other 11 were plays where he had no control over the outcome. That were not his fault, that it wasn't a good play. So all in, it was 19 out of 27 that roughly that can't be blamed on Hackenberg. If you had to boil it down to like the top three issues out of the ones that weren't his fault, what you got? So overall, bad online play. Okay. Um, Meaning the O-line didn't do their job? Yes. So, and that's something that we expected. The O-line did not have enough time to really gel. So they're not going to be per performing well. There were two plays that I think it was, there were two plays that the right guard completely missed. One, the linebacker faked like he was going to cover and then blitzed. 
and the guard just wasn't paying attention, ran straight to Hackenberg. The other one, same guy, completely missed on his block. And then I think it was in the third quarter where there were two plays back-to-back, really good, had a lot of momentum, and then the left tackle got a penalty for face mask. Yeah, it was funny because I wrote down in the notes as we were going through the game, I was like, two back-to-back completions, what? And then they had the momentum, and then now they're at first and 25. Yikes. You can't recover from that, really. No. Immediately after, there was something I will criticize Hackenberg for. He might have just been skittish at that point. It was great protection, great play. He threw it down, got a few yards, but there was two receivers deeper that were open that he could have gotten it to for a first down. Okay, so for that, do you think that if his O-line was better, that he would have had more time? Do you think that it's realistic to expect more out of the O-line or with this just like fast-paced, higher intensity, this is kind of the best the O-line can do. Therefore, Hackenberg won't have more time. I absolutely believe that the O-line will improve when they get more time to really work together and start gelling. We saw this all over the league. The San Diego fleet had the worst O-line out of anybody. It's, it's something that we knew going in this, that O-line was going to be bad. Was that why like the five-man blitzing rules were helpful? Absolutely. I couldn't imagine if they're actually doing NFL-style blitz packages that the offense would have any chance anywhere. The problem is, so we can't... We went into the game expecting the O-line to perform poorly. And I feel like we performed better than expected. There were definitely some opportunities for improvement. What really came down to overall and why our offense performed poorly was the play calling. Okay, so this is really my big thing was Hackenberg wasn't doing well the first half. So to come back third quarter and see Hackenberg, really, like, I was confused. I know you're arguing for Hackenberg. Fine. Then there was another call. We were fourth and one in the third quarter, fourth quarter. They went for it. What in the other previous parts of this game makes you think that we can make it happen on fourth and one with the intensity of the iron defense? I think they should have gone for the field goal. It was like 25-ish yards. They would have made the field goal. They would have gotten points on the board. There was still time left to get a touchdown to come back, but they went fourth and one, lost it. It I mean, it was just like, it was stuff like that that was, it makes me question the coaching and and play calling. Absolutely. That was the first drive that the Express had following halftime. I don't know if they were just scared to give Hackenberg the ball, but that drive, every play was a run play. And to go all the way, and they were moving the ball running, I'll give them that, but then you get down to fourth and one, and you do a fullback dive, the Iron were expecting that. That's when you pull out something, a play action, fake a handoff, throw it short, do something, anything else, run it to the outside, anything but what you did the entire drive up there. Yeah, that was something I heard from feedback on Twitter. I don't know the intricacies of this as much as you and other guys, other people that are responding and watching, but just I kept hearing that the total um, predictability Mm -hmm. was the Achilles heel for the Express this weekend. Yeah, and definitely... I do appreciate, you know, some of the jet sweeps, some of the wildcat where it was a direct snap to the running back. Uh huh. I know what that is. No, I don't. But go ahead. So essentially, instead of Hackenberg getting the ball, they snapped it to the running back. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's called a direct snap or wildcat. I liked that they need to do more play actions. The big play later on that set up those two plays in a row that you were excited about, that we're all excited about. The two completions? Yeah. We shouldn't be excited about two completions, but go ahead. The first one was a play-action pass that was beautiful. Put your notes in front of you. 
<coughs> I can't sit him down. <coughs> the first one was a play action pass. That was beautiful. And that was one thing that I was seeing is that our passing offense is not going to work with the AAF, at least until we get a better O-line. Okay, I'm asking you legitimately. Yes. Do you not think that Brandon Silver Surfer could be better than Hackenberger? Okay, I think so. My overall assessment is that you can't lay the blame of this loss on Hackenberg. Okay. However, in order to improve, so what it's going to take is maybe like bootlegs and play action and the threat of running the ball, because that's what really helped the iron is the fact that Louis Perez could run the ball. Yeah, there were a couple of times and mm-hmm. he just was able to just run right in. And as we saw on another play, protection broke down. Hackenberg managed to get out of the pocket, but he runs like Tom Brady. <laughs> not at all. And he cannot throw on the run. So, okay. What I'm hearing from you is not Hackenberg's fault. It's, well, I'm going to call it just coaching and play calling. Yeah. So we need to get better play calling. We need to get more creative. And then really assess what can we do to throw the defense off. More play action, obviously. Is Hackenberg the answer? I don't know. I don't think that the play calling put him in a position to succeed. I want to see what Silver Surfer has to offer. We have no idea at this point. He was just sitting on the sidelines. We got four quarters of just getting completely beat. I mean, not the whole time. There was still some momentum in the first half, and it was still like we had a chance we could bring it back. But when we came back in the third quarter with the same quarterback, same plays, same course of action, there was no way it was going to get any better. So I want to see what Brandon Silver Surfer has to offer. Maybe it's going to be better. I think a changeup could have really helped. Seemed like morale was at an all-time low. And it's it's hard to have good morale when your quarterback is running up and down the sidelines yelling at you and just like screaming. I mean... Yeah, that definitely wasn't, wasn't cool. So my take is Hackenberg and Bettenberger are cut from the same cloth. Big arm guys, not mobile at all. Brandon Silvers, I think you could get the bootleg. You could get him moving outside the pocket, open things up. But is his accuracy, is his arm strength good enough to put the offense on his shoulders? I don't know. I'm tired of hearing about Mettenberger, though, because like he was third string. Mm-hmm. And if he was so great, would he be playing in the AAF? If he was outplayed by Hackenberg, then what does that tell you? So I don't know. And I I can't say there's rumors floating around that he's injured. I don't have any credible source for that to substantiate that claim at all. But for whatever reason, the team didn't feel like he was capable of starting. So I don't know. I don't know what the quarterback situation is like. We'll just have to see if if we can get better play calling and figure something out to give more support to our offensive line, take the pressure off them, so that way there is more time to develop some sort of play, I think then we can truly evaluate whether or not Hackenberg is the answer at quarterback. I'm not saying that he is great, that he's going to be MVP, that he's going to lead this team. All I'm saying is that based on our offensive performance during based on our offensive performance against the Iron... Hackenberg didn't lose the game for us. Exactly. And it's not enough to truly evaluate where we are at quarterback. I think that's totally fair. After hearing your response and, and seeing the bigger picture, it wasn't just him. And I, I will say that my frustration was with just the coaching. Yep. The coaching 
is what really needs to be upgraded. And that kind of brings to another point. Is David Lee the answer offensive coordinator? Who's David Lee? He's our quarterback's coach. Oh. So if you remember way back when, Hal Mummy signed on to be offensive coordinator soon after he left. No idea why. There is rumors, but we're left without a dedicated offensive coordinator. David Lee, our quarterback's coach, assumed the responsibilities. Is he the right answer? I don't know. Do we look for an offensive coordinator that can bring a spark to this offense? We should. Well, it's something that needs to be entertained at the very least. All right. So wrapping up game one. I think our D-line did well. Yes. I think our O-line did better than expected. Yes. And Hackenberg didn't lose it, but I want to see what Brandon Silvers can bring to the table. I'll give you that. Okay. What I will say, so I want to talk a little bit about something else I saw during the game. The iron are not that good. They were throwing all over us. It's not because they're a particularly strong offense. Our defensive pass coverage could have been a lot better. Right, which is why I want to say that our defense wasn't great. Our D-line was. Our, yeah, exactly. Uh, they they really did great on stopping the runs. Mm-hmm. And there were so many times when I would like see a running back for the iron just kind of get laid out and kind of <laughs> loved it. But there were many missed opportunities, not great coverage on the iron receivers. Now, we'll give it to them, you know, they let the iron move down the field. But once they got into the red zone, they were brick wall, kept them to a field goal until the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was really exciting for me to see. Yeah, our defense kept them to nine points throughout the first three quarters of the game. It's hard to be down by so much morale so low and then just keep fighting. And so it was 26 to zero, but we did not play 26 to zero. And by that, I mean, we kept them to nine points. And the first touchdown came after that, the missed call that we talked about earlier. So that big passing play that was incomplete, but they were given, put them in the red zone. And then immediately after, there was a BS penalty on defense that, you know, hurt us even more. And with that, you can only defend so much. And they finally were able to break through and get a touchdown. And then the second touchdown was off an interception. And they intercepted the ball in the red zone. So immediately, the defense had their back against the wall. And they capitalized on that momentum to score the second touchdown. They weren't able to score a touchdown just by their own skill. They were essentially given these opportunities that they capitalized on. Who are they playing next week? So next week, they are playing Salt Lake. Okay, so that'll be interesting to watch. Those two Mm -hmm. teams go head to head. We'll be able to get another. Well, that's true about all these teams. We'll be able to get a a fuller picture of their abilities and their like weaknesses. Yeah. And and just kind of like touching a little bit more. The offense on the iron was able to move down the field so well because our defense played too soft. By that, I mean... We were leaving the middle of the field wide open and playing a little too deep. And our guys weren't coming up and engaging them like off the line. We were playing zone coverage. So the guys kind of sat back and waited for the play to develop rather than like man coverage where they were on their receiver the entire time. Right. Which was my whole problem with like the corners was that they were just not on their man. They were dropped back, which left them open to receive the ball, which they then caught and then could run it. So that that was kind of my big issue with the defense. Yeah, our defense wasn't able to adjust like they needed, and the iron defense was. The offensive pl- game plan from Singletary going into this was short passes, get Hackenberg into a rhythm, get things going, and the iron quickly adjusted and playing their linebackers closer, playing more aggressively, and taking away the middle of the field where the Express wanted to go. 
Yeah. So I think next week I'm, I'm taking the stallions over the iron because I don't think the iron as are as good as we made them look. Well, and apparently the hotshots are really brutal and a great team and the stallions mostly held their own against the hotshots. Yeah. So yeah, I, I could see the stallions winning over the, the iron. Any more last minute thoughts from this week's game? Just one. Our special teams is the worst ranked in the league. Yikes. Yeah. Coverage. The first one was amazing. We were all over him. After that, they couldn't tackle. They couldn't bring him down. And we were we were really helped because their punt returner liked to run the wrong way a lot. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying that when we were watching the game. You're like, he likes to run the wrong way a lot. Yeah. But other than that, like there was a lot of opportunity that we missed on our special teams. All right, so should we get into this upcoming week? Before that, I have a special guest. A special guest? We have the official, unofficial, delivery man of the AAF. So Dan showed me this guy's videos on Twitter. Uh, follow Dan because Dan retweets him, and you can follow this guy at... I'm not going to go into it because it's like Rodney W456424, whatever. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, he gives predictions for the outcomes for this week, and he was four for four this week. Yep. So here we go. His predictions for week two. All right, guys, we have the official, unofficial AAF delivery guy here on the show with us today. He's the AAF delivery guy here to deliver his predictions for this weekend. But first, Ron, what inspired you? And if you don't know, guys, Ron is on Twitter and he tweets out these videos of him doing predictions and his delivery truck, a literal UPS delivery truck. And he gives his predictions for the games of the weekend. So, Ron, what inspired you and kind of what was the reasoning behind you starting to do this? Well, I actually just got on Twitter starting in February to follow more about the Alliance of American Football to get more involved. And I was sitting on my break in my truck and I was pretty bored. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to make a video delivering the message that football isn't over. And then I thought I'd throw some shade at the fleet because I am a Commanders fan the, before the opening week. And after a while, I decided, you know what? Why don't I just make more delivering my picks every week, just having some fun. And I just started to tag some podcasts that I listened to, like you guys, some other ones. And then it just kind of took off from there. And now here we are. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And your videos are, they're not like traditional like humor, but they are so funny. So what were your picks? Remind me, because I, I feel like we went over them on the show. And weren't you four for four for the yes. week one? Yeah, my first week, I was four for four, which surprised me actually a little bit. I mean, I was pretty happy. I was with my wife and I just told her, I said, babe, I'm 100%. And she's like, well, that's like the first time ever. <laughs> and so I decided just to keep it going. I think if I wasn't 100%, I would have just stopped right there. <laughs> well, now you have some legitimacy because you got it right. So. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, let's jump into it. Give us your delivery for the predictions this weekend. Well, absolutely. So far this week, I am delivering a win for the San Diego fleet over the Atlanta Legends. I think the Legends have just a lot to work on, and I think the fleet are going to take it. Then I have the Arizona Hotshots beating the Memphis Express. I think we have one of the best teams in Arizona. And Hackenberg for Memphis, just sorry, guys. He's got a lot of work to do. Yep. And then I've got the Salt Lake Stallions beating the Birmingham Iron. And this is just my upset of the week. I think that is going to be the game to watch this week. And then I have the San Antonio Commanders taking it at home over the Orlando Apollos. 
I agree with you 100%. Now, I don't think that the Stallions are as big of an upset as you think they are, because rewatching the game, I don't think the Iron are as good as the Memphis Express made them out to be. So I think we're in for a rude awakening, and I do think the Stallions are going to take it. I think the Stallions just were really good against the Arizona Hotshots. It was quite a shootout the whole game. I think Arizona just, they were at home, and home field advantage helped. Absolutely. So those are those picks for the week. We'll see if the delivery guy can go eight for eight. I'm thinking he can do it. So he's going to be on the show every week, giving his predictions. So be sure to tune in next week to see who he chooses in week three. Delivery guy, Rod, thanks so much. And before we go, where can people find you if they want to see your predictions themselves? Well, you can just follow me at Twitter, the AAF delivery guy. And it's actually at Ronald W six, 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 two, seven, three, four, seven. And said, I'm just making these videos every week and just having fun. Well, as easy as that handle is to remember, I will be sure to put a link in the show notes in case people forget. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right. So that was the AAF delivery guy. We're going to be bringing you his predictions for the rest of the season. So, yep. What you got? What do you think on his predictions? So Atlanta, San Diego. You have to go San Diego, Atlanta. I don't think that they're going to get their team together and recover in time just from all their coaching issues. Yeah, I think that's fair. San Antonio, Orlando. I'm going to say this is going to be the game of the week. I feel like it's going to be a really good game. Yeah, it seems like those teams are also evenly matched. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of hype around the Apollos because they played so well against the Legends. But I think that's not accurate because the Legends are so bad. And I think that the commanders pull it off and catch the Apollo sleeping. Yeah, I agree. Salt Lake and Birmingham. I'm going to have to go with him and say the Salt Lake wins over Birmingham. Yep, I agree. We talked about it already. I think yep. that's possible. Memphis, Arizona. If we can get our coaching and our play calling in order, I think we do better. But I think that's actually maybe like the hardest thing to get right, because I feel like maybe I'm totally wrong here. And I'm not saying that this is true for our coaching staff at all. But it seems like you could get a lot of ego when it comes to coaching. Whereas like if it comes to something that you can tangibly see that needs to be fixed, that that I feel like can be done easier than your coaches being like, oh, I messed up this week. I need to change my my strategy. I think this would be really telling, just like you're saying, that can the offensive coordinator be introspective and realize where the mistakes are and correct them? Is David Lee good enough to be able to fix this or not? Is Singletary good enough to fix this or not? Now, we've gone into this season with our reservations about Singletary. He is a defensive-minded coach that needs help on offense. I mean, that's just the general take all over. So if they can get it together, I think we do better. But I still don't think it's enough to beat the hot shots. I'm really nervous about this game. I think that, I mean, you were saying that this wasn't true, but I was feeling a lot of heat. A lot of people pissed about how this game went. A lot of people saying like, oh, I'm done. I'm, you know, and so I, I don't know. Do you think that? I think there is a lot of that, but overwhelmingly, I've seen a lot of positivity around the Express. I mean, someone's going to have to lose. Yeah. I just hope it's not us two weeks in a row. How crappy would that be to come home and lose again? I think it won't be so bad. We're 49ers fans. I'm tired of losing. (laughs) I'm so tired of losing. I want to root for a winning football team. (laughs) So my take is expectations are so low. We play so poorly up against the iron that if we can fix these few things, I think even if we lose, 
if we show enough improvement, that will really help morale. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but just um, in-game experience is going to be really awesome. There's the tailgate competition, Silent Disco in the Hub. Seems like there's going to be a lot of awesome, fun things happening. So if not, if the football isn't there, there's going to be a lot of other parts and pieces to the experience. They're going to make it great. Yep. And I'm going to be in the hub. If you can't make it to the game, but you still want to hang out with me in the hub, I'm going to be on Instagram stories all game and just partying it up at the hub and just having a good time and documenting all that on Instagram. So be sure to follow me there just so you can kind of interact and just have fun with me. And make sure you don't miss out on the experience like I will be. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I believe you said you're going to have Isaac take over the Twitter so that he'll be live tweeting. I'm going to talk to him about it. I haven't actually brought this up to him. So surprise, Isaac. Isaac, if you're listening, what do you think? Uh, But hopefully he will. If not, you can always follow him, Isaac underscore rivals, and he'll be giving his analysis throughout the game regardless. All right. Anything else? Any last minute? Um, Instagram handles Memphis AAF pod. All right. Not happy about how week one went. There were some highs, mostly lows. Looking ahead to week two, super nervous. Yep. But cautiously optimistic, not for a win, just for improvement. And I hate that that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, God. That's painful. Saying it out loud. We ran into uh, someone from the team on our way home from Birmingham. And it was just like, you need some beer? We need some beer. We all just Mm -hmm. need a drink. (laughs) 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 All right. Make sure you head on over to MemphisAAF.com forward slash Patreon. Check out the layovers. We got conversations with Matt Singletary. Will Lewis, you saw the episodes up from last week? Yep. Everything's there. So we did a breakdown of our offense. So you can go back and see how accurate we were. Ooh, that's a good way to check back. To all of our returning listeners, thank you so much for your continued support. To all of our new listeners, thank you so much for checking us out. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you tune in next week as well. There was a little bit of turbulence on this flight. Here's hoping for smooth skies. Smooth skies? That's not a thing. Clear skies? Yeah, clear skies. Here's Here's hoping for clear skies on the next flight. And thank you so much for flying Express and Goal. And until next time. And I'm out. Midriff. 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 What the fuck is the word? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>